Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. Listen again for the word of the Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, Unless I see the mark of nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Showing up to church the Sunday after Easter can feel like showing up after the party is over. The lilies are almost all gone. I hear there's one left. The senior pastor is on vacation. The deacons and elders and church staff are exhausted from a long celebration of Holy Week. So this morning might feel like missing a party. It feels a little like every New Year's Eve when I try to stay up for the ball to drop at Times Square, only to fall asleep in front of the TV and then wake up at 2 a.m. when the party is over. Do you know who rings in the new year at 2 a.m.? No, you don't. You don't. I'm sure there are good people in the mountain time zone, but by the time you get to 2 a.m., all the good music acts have played. In fact, the rocking New Year's Eve celebration with Ryan Seacrest doesn't even have a featured location on Mountain Time. They have New York, they have New Orleans, Puerto Rico, and LA, but nothing in Mountain Time. They just skip over those states. So it's disappointing when I wake up at two and realize I've missed the party. It's disappointing to miss a party. It's disappointing to look around and see half-empty cups and confetti and sagging balloons and the evidence of a good time that you didn't have. The Apostle Thomas knows what it feels like to miss the party. 
On Easter morning, Jesus' tomb is discovered empty. Mary Magdalene, one of his closest followers, discovers the empty tomb. And she begins to cry because she believes that someone has taken, maybe even stolen, Jesus' body. While she's there crying, someone comes up and she thinks it's the gardener. So she begs him to tell her where he's taken the body. The gardener says her name and she realizes that it's Jesus. He who once was dead is now very much alive. And it's his presence, she doesn't even touch him, it's his presence, not the empty tomb, that convinces her that he is risen. The next people to see Jesus in the flesh are his disciples. They are all gathered together on Easter night when Jesus shows up. Imagine their surprise. He who once was dead is now very much alive. They knew about the empty tomb, but now they have seen the risen Lord. He shows them his hands and his side. I think it's amazing that Jesus uses his scars as identification to prove who he is. But again, it's his presence among them that convinces them he has risen, he has risen indeed. But one disciple is missing, and that disciple is Thomas. Imagine that you're Thomas. The whole next week, what do you hear? You should have been there. You should have been there when Jesus showed up. It was amazing. And guess what he did? Guess what he did? He breathed on us, not in a creepy way, post-pandemic, in a life-giving way, in a I'm restoring our relationship kind of way. Jesus breathed on them in an I'm creating something new kind of way. Jesus breathed on us and we were filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this story is John's telling of the Pentecost story. When Jesus visits his disciples, he doesn't just show them that he is the risen Lord. He also gives them a gift that only he can give, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Thomas, you should have been there. Jesus was there in the flesh. And Thomas says... I'll believe it when I see it. Thomas isn't so sure. Thomas isn't so sure. You can't always believe what you hear, even from the people you trust. One Sunday morning, early in my time here at this church, I arrived to the church and all the pastors had been told that a beloved member of the congregation had passed away overnight. And we were sad, and we were shocked, and we felt obligated to say something about this heartbreaking news, because this person was here every Sunday. And if he didn't show up, people would notice. They were already asking questions. One of the Sunday school classes had prayed that morning for the man's family, because the word was already spreading. So this class prayed for comfort for them in the time of their loss. The pastors conferred. We wondered if we should include him in the morning prayer. And then we said, but we should get some more details before we include him. And Paul Sherwood volunteered to to drive over to the man's house and see if he could learn a little bit more. He got to the house. He knocked on the door. He called out, is anyone home? 
And he waited, and then in the silence, he heard it. He heard the pounding of footfalls. Now, this is the point in the horror movie when you run away. But Paul has courage. He stayed. Footfalls all the way up to the door. And peering out at him through the glass was the man we thought was dead. He wasn't dead. He was very much alive. Now, Paul will be the first to say it wasn't a case of resurrection. It was a case of misinformation. Imagine the surprise at 1055 when this man also walked through the church doors fully dressed and ready for worship. Maybe Thomas is thinking this. Maybe Thomas is thinking it's not a case of resurrection. It's a case of misinformation. People don't come back from the dead. They don't just walk out of sealed tombs. That may be the question we have in our mind. That may be the the doubt, the thoughts that we have in our mind. But remember what Thomas had been through. I'm not sure that's exactly all that Thomas is thinking. Because only a week prior, Thomas went with Jesus to the town of Bethany. We know because John's gospel tells us Thomas was there. Thomas saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. Thomas saw Lazarus walk out of that sealed tomb, the man who once was dead, now very much alive. Thomas was an eyewitness to it. He's seen this happen before. So why does he say, I'll believe it when I see him? Maybe this story isn't so much a story about doubt as it's a story about disappointment. Thomas's disappointment that Jesus showed up and he missed out. I asked my daughter if she'd ever missed out on something. She's 10 years old and she immediately said yes and she began to name the things she missed out on. Her top two were her friend's birthday party last year and as she said it, the only field trip her third grade class went on. Now it was our fault that she missed those things My husband and I planned a family trip on the wrong weekend, and a family trip pales in comparison to a field trip and a birthday party, so my daughter missed out. She missed out on being with her friends, and when she got home, of course, that whole week after, everyone was talking about how much fun they'd had. They were talking about the experiences they had had, but she wasn't part of it. And we've felt that disappointment of missing out too. Thomas felt the disappointment of missing out. Of course he did. Everyone else got a chance with Jesus, the chance to see his scars. They got a personal encounter with the risen Lord. Where was Thomas's encounter? And you might have asked that question too. Where's my encounter with Jesus? Maybe you've been in a Bible study or a Sunday school class and someone started to share how they'd experienced Jesus in their life, how Jesus spoke to them, how they felt God's presence. Have you ever felt left out of those conversations? Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I'm not sure I've ever felt God's presence. I haven't heard God speak and I don't know what it means to experience Jesus in my life. I'm not even sure I have a testimony, whatever that is. You may have also felt like you had missed it. While God was showing up for all these other people, 
Why isn't God showing up for me? And if you want to go to a really dark place, and maybe Thomas did, you might wonder if God is ignoring you, if God has forgotten you. You might wonder if God even cares. Why hasn't Jesus shown up for me? This is the question on Thomas's mind. It may be the question on your mind too, and if it is, I want you to know that the story of Thomas offers a powerful reassurance of how God responds to that lament, to that question. After all, it is a lament. When Thomas says, I wanna see the, 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 the nail holes in his hands, I wanna touch his side, Thomas is saying, this is what I need. I need a personal encounter, and where's my encounter? Thomas wonders why Jesus hasn't shown up for him, but he doesn't let that disappointment keep him away. And I think this is key. If you are wondering why Jesus hasn't shown up for you, do not let your disappointment keep you away. Don't let it keep you away from the church. Don't let it keep you away from your studying your Bible, away from your prayer life. Thomas doesn't let it keep him away. In fact, I think he redoubles his effort. So the next week, which would be this week, the next weekend when the disciples are gathered for dinner, Thomas is there. He probably stuck around early and stayed late. Thomas is there because he doesn't want to miss it, just in case Jesus shows up again. And while Thomas is there, among his family of faith, Jesus does show up. Now, Jesus already revealed himself to his disciples the week before. He already breathed the Holy Spirit over them. He's done the things that maybe he needed to do to pass the torch. But Jesus comes back. Jesus comes back a second time, and I would suggest that Jesus comes back for Thomas. The Apostle Thomas is the last to experience the presence of the risen Lord. He's the last to come to belief and make that confession, my Lord and my God. But being last doesn't make him least. Of all the apostles, Thomas goes the furthest afield. Most of them stayed in and around Jerusalem. They carried on the ministry of Jesus there in Jerusalem. Andrew carries the gospel to the Greeks. Peter takes the gospel south to Rome. Some disciples went east into Asia Minor. Philip shares the gospel with an Ethiopian, and the Ethiopian takes the message south to Africa. But Thomas goes further than all of these. And you might not know that about Thomas. Thomas might be the last, but he's the one that carries the gospel to the ends of the known earth. He goes past Greece, he goes through Asia Minor, he keeps going into modern-day Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. He carries the message all the way to the southern coast of India, and when Thomas dies, it is in the city of Chennai, which is 4,000 miles from Jerusalem. So Jerusalem, Chennai. He's 4,000 miles away. In India today, there are churches that trace their roots to the ministry of Thomas. There is a denomination named for Thomas. He's the only disciple to have a denomination named after him. That's his legacy. 
So we dare not call him Doubting Thomas, we should call him Devoted Thomas. Thomas wasn't the first to hear the good news, but like all the others before him, that good news changed his life. And for us, for the church, this is a reassurance because we're 2,000 years late to the party. We're 2,000 years late, and yet we know that God still works through us today. When Jesus arrives that second night, he goes over to Thomas. He invites Thomas to touch his hand and to touch his side. And here's my favorite part. We don't know if Thomas did any of the touching. We don't know if Thomas touched the wounds. The Gospel of John doesn't tell us. And I love that it doesn't tell us because it leaves it open for us to wonder. What if Thomas didn't need to touch Jesus' hands and sides to believe? What if Jesus' presence was powerful enough to elicit that confession, my Lord and my God? Because if Jesus' presence was powerful enough for Thomas, it's powerful enough for us too. This past fall, I visited Judy Williams in her final days. And when I arrived to her room, Judy wasn't awake, but her daughter, Melissa Gilbert, was there. And some of you know Melissa. Melissa and I talked a bit, then we prayed, and we held Judy's hands in ours. We ended with the Lord's Prayer. And somewhere in the middle of the prayer, I felt a change in the room. The room felt full As we finished praying, Melissa suddenly said, it's on the radio, which is not how you expect someone to react after you've said a prayer. (laughs) But I hadn't noticed there was music playing in the background. And sure enough, the song that was playing was the Lord's Prayer, a couple of words behind our own prayer. Melissa called it a God wink. I like that, a God wink. Those moments that feel like more than coincidence, those moments that feel full of meaning, that you can't quite put your finger on what it is, but the moment feels so vibrant, so real. You feel almost like you're in the presence of Jesus. And I think maybe we are in those moments. Because that day it felt like something bigger than me was in that room covering us and comforting us, I left feeling at peace. And I suspect Melissa did too. We may not have the opportunity to touch Jesus' hands or his side, and maybe that's okay, because I believe his presence is enough. What I see in this story of Thomas is a promise that Jesus will come back for us. Jesus comes back for Thomas. And I think Jesus comes back for us, offering us a personal encounter with our risen Lord. It's this experience of his presence that moves us, that equips us to go forth and share the good news. So that like Mary Magdalene, Peter, James, and John, Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel, Matthew, and Matthias, Simon the Zealot, James the Lesser, and Judas, not Iscariot, and the Apostle Paul, and even Thomas, and maybe especially with Thomas, we raise our voices and declare with full confidence, he is risen, he is risen indeed, amen.
This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.